Welcome to the City Park Church Podcast. We are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope. Please share at cityparkchurch.com how God has touched your life through our messages. Thank you for listening. Visa a MasterCard debit right on the envelope and we'll be glad to run that for you. Say this after me. Say, thank you, Lord, that you give seed to the sower. I sow this morning expecting a harvest in my due season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for all the happy givers. You guys can take the offering. While you do that, we're going to give away some, uh, some things. Anybody want to win something this morning? Where's the tickets? Bill, you bringing that up for me? Get your tickets out. We're going to give away some prizes during the service, and then we're going to give some, some more prizes away during the meal downstairs because we got some chili and cornbread. Anybody excited about that? All right. One of my favorite chocolates ever since I married my German friend, and they finally came to America, are these. Anybody like these? I can remember 25 years ago going to Germany and my in-laws gave me one of these and I think I ate every one in there. And then I hid the package. Does anybody do that? Some of you don't even care. You know, it's like, oh, I ate the whole thing, you know. All right, I'm going to give this away. You got your tickets out to 238858. Got a winner out there? Turn the lights on a little bit. We can see. 238858. Go once. We got a winner right here. All right. All right. Now, when I saw this, I thought to myself, I want to win this. Oh, all right. Come on. If you want to get sick with peanut butter and chocolate, this is, this is the way to go. All right, here's, here's the number. 238909. All right, Stephen is the winner. Give him a big hand. All right, pass that back to him. Appreciate that. Don't take a bite out of it, Wendy. I got a $15 gift card to Starbucks. Anybody like coffee? All right, mixing together, mixing it together. 238890. Winner right there. All right. You sure you like coffee? You work at Starbucks. Which one you work at? Troutdale by Albertsons. You know Haley then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That is awesome. Awesome. Why don't you guys all stand up? More prizes downstairs. So make sure you stay. 
Greet somebody. Tell them you love them. Give them a hug. Glad you're at City Park Church this morning. couple announcements before we get into the word this morning. First of all, I want to welcome any first-time visitors. If you're here, glad that you're here. Um, the coffee bar is uh, being used right now for um, chili prep, so we're not serving coffee, but we are serving free food and cornbread afterwards, and we have drip coffee as well. So um, what we're doing is, because the kitchen isn't finished, it'll be finished this week, we're basically going to line up going down the stairs and coming around the corner and going into the cafe and getting our chili and cornbread and then going into the big room. And the coffee and the drinks will be inside, and then we'll have some time together. Um, next uh, Sunday, we have a young adult thing. Gabby is here. Gabby's daughter is sick. So, so I'll stand in for Gabby. And Gabby said to let the young adults know, so next Sunday is potluck. So if you're a young adult, you are invited to stay after church, bring a meal, and bring a white elephant gift. There will be games, and there will also be child care. So for those uh, single moms or moms, uh, there will be child care for you so you can enjoy the Christmas party, okay? So I think that's all um, she wanted to know. You to know, but um, little Emma is six. That's why she's not here. We would have loved to see her young face up here. But all the young adults, come on out next Sunday. Stay after church and have a really good time and connect. Awesome. And then on the 17th, we have the family Christmas service with special music from the team. It's going to be an amazing service. And then on the 24th, Christmas Eve is a Sunday. Uh, We have two services, 10 o'clock. And both of them on our services and 6 o'clock candlelight service from 6 to 7. We guarantee you, you'll you'll be out by 7. And it's going to be a great day. Hallelujah. God is good. Well, for the kitchen, the flooring is going in on Tuesday. Electrical is almost done. Then we'll bring in all the appliances and tables. And it's, uh, it's going to look really good. So we're excited. The countertops are done. And um, we got rid of all the things we wanted to get rid of, the old appliances and refrigerator and Craigslist. We just, we had all the old lights. We had brand new lights put in, all the old lights. Within 10 minutes, I put it on free on Craigslist. Somebody showed up and took all the metal. (laughs) I was like, okay, that's awesome because I don't want to pay for garbage, right? You know, in the midst of building, I don't know about you, but God talks to me while I'm doing things. And he uses natural illustrations to teach you spiritual things. 
it's exactly what Jesus did. He, he used natural illustrations to teach the disciples spiritual things. And I learned a lot in the past uh, few weeks because I'm working with, with Steve Jones. Where's Steve? Where'd Steve go? Anyway, Steve was here. Maybe he's out in the bathroom. But Steve has been here uh, for three weeks almost every day. Uh, Steve is a professional painter. And uh, if you look in the kitchen, I mean, he did all, everything, all the cabinets, multiple coats, the walls, and it looks really amazing. And once the flooring gets in it, it'll all match, and it's going to be really beautiful. But I want to thank Steve for that. <clears throat> so I, I never, I, I knew what spackle was. You guys ever use this kind of spackle where it, it's, a, it's a color? Was it purple? Because I'm colorblind, right? Um, it's this purpley color, and when it dries, it dries white. It's very cool. And I, I love using it because then you know it's dry. You can sand it. You can fix it. And, um, but then I never knew what fix-all was. And Steve's like, we need to get some fix-all. I'm like, okay, what's fix-all? He's like, well, it gets really hard like concrete. I'm like, and it dries really fast. And so, you know, you take this stuff here and, you know, it's very, you know, like clayish, puddingish almost. Um, if I left this open, you know, it's it's not gonna, it, you know, it's not gonna dry really hard overnight. This big bucket, and I left the cover off. But with this stuff here, if you don't use it in the right time, it'll get really hard. So I'm gonna actually mix you guys up some. Is that all right? Get this all over my new jacket. Good stuff. Now, you guys know that um, downstairs, no, I'm, I got it all coordinated here. Downstairs is concrete walls. This stuff actually works perfect for the concrete walls. So, I feel like I'm on a cooking show or something, you know? Um, I'll pass this out, y'all. I'll pass this out. Y'all can take a little bite of it later. That looks like a milkshake, doesn't it? So we'll let that sit there while I preach a little bit, all right? Spackle or fix-all? <laughs> we can actually, we actually fixed holes in the outside of the building with it. And, um, yeah. It sets up really hard, and you'll see that here in a few minutes. Now that I've got fix-all all over my notes, and I can't read it, so no, I'm kidding. You know, I want to talk about life in the spirit. And you're probably wondering, how does that pertain to spackle and fix-all? Well, 
bear with me, okay? Bear with me. Um, you know, sometimes in life, there's things that happen that you don't understand. Almost every day for us, you know, <laughs> especially this past week. Um, there, there'll be times where you don't get attacked, you don't get attacked, but all of a sudden, it all comes in one day. It's kind of like one appliance, is, one appliance goes bad, and then, you know, it's like the washing machine breaks down, then on the same day, it's the refrigerator, and then you get a flat tire. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like, are you serious? It's like all this happening in one day. And it's just there to test you. <laughs> test your patience, test your love walk, you know, all those kind of things. And, um, you know, Jesus had it rough. He had some good days, many good days, but he had some bad days as well. Um, I'm also reminded of the story of Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church in California. It's a huge church. Uh, Pastor Rick has written many books, um, including The Purpose Driven Life. If you've ever read that, it's an amazing devotional, amazing book that can really help you in your life. It's a, it's a Bible study that can go for weeks on, and I think it's 12 weeks. But Pastor Rick, um, he has this church called Saddleback Church in Orange County, California. Recently, he experienced a tragic loss of his son who committed suicide. His son uh, had a mental illness and a drug issue, and um, he used to be on Twitter all the time with incredible wisdom, but because of the, of the tragedy, he... Um, he took some time off from Twitter, obviously, to recover and go through periods of grief. When he got back on Twitter, the first thing he tweeted was this. Grieving is hard. Grieving as public figures harder. Grieving while haters celebrate your pain hardest. Your notes sustained us. Whew, wow. When I first read that, I was like, whoa. And um, Jesus, if you think about it, went through the same thing. Literally, here's Jesus dying on the cross for humanity. And crying out to the Lord, quoting the Psalms, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While the people below him are mocking him, calling him names, making fun of him as he's dying for us. Difficult situation. There's all kinds of difficult situations. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you rented some place to stay on vacation and you walked in and it wasn't what you expected. Didn't match up to the pictures. I remember my mom was flying in and we rented a house at Cannon Beach. And we had gone there, thank God, we went there a few days beforehand because it was a mess. I mean, and, and the thing was, they had a cat, dying cat, that the owner had left there who had taken up residence in the basement and the house smelled horrible. She peed everywhere. I mean, it was it was. We literally had to clean the house. I went to Safeway and I got, you know, air fresheners, plug-in things, put them all through the house to make it presentable. And then I, would, I drove back to the airport, Portland Airport, to come bring my mom. And thank God we had had a few days to get it presentable, but it was like, oh, my gosh. 
the, the back deck was rotting. My foot fell through the deck. That's how bad the place was. There was this one, there was this one lady. She had, was house-sitting for these people who had gone on vacation, right? Same similar situation happened. They left their dog there and forgot to tell the lady who was house-sitting that the dog was dying. Kind of left that detail out, you know? So after a few days, you know, they're somewhere in the Caribbean enjoying themselves. The, the lady who's house-sitting gets up, and the dog's dead. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I killed the dog. They didn't tell me she was dying. So she, she literally is like, oh, my, I have to call him. I got to talk to him. So she calls up, and she's nervous, and she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm afraid to tell you this, but, but your dog died. And they're like, oh, well, we kind of knew he was on his last leg. Well, were you going to tell me, you know, before you left on vacation? Well, what do you want me to do? Well, here's what I need you to do, they said. I need you, you know, we, we just don't have the money right now to dispose of the dog properly, but I have a suitcase upstairs in the closet. Um, could you possibly get that suitcase out and, and could, you, could you put the dog in the suitcase and then, and then put the dog in the dumpster outside? She's like, seriously? Yeah, please, please do this, you know. And uh, so literally the lady's like, okay, all right, if that's what you want me to do. She finds the suitcase and she she lifts the dog up, puts the dog in the suitcase and closes it up. And this is a pretty heavy dog, you know. And she's carrying the suitcase out, you know. And she walks down the stairs and sees the dumpster in the neighborhood. And she walks over and this guy pulls up. Notices that she's having trouble with the suitcase. And uh, he's like, that seems kind of heavy. Says, do you need some help? So she puts the suitcase down. The guy comes over, picks the suitcase up. And he's like, oh, my gosh. He goes, he goes what's in here? And she obviously didn't want to tell him it was a dead dog. <laughs> so she lied to him. She said, well, it, it's my computer equipment. And, and he's like, oh, Okay. So he kind of looks at her, he looks at the dumpster, he runs over to his truck, he throws it in the back, and he takes off. (laughs) The guy's in for a big surprise once he opens that suitcase. (laughs) Sometimes there's just unexpected troubles in life. And you never know. You just never know. <laughs> How many you know, when we did our last series, we talked about that there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the devil and there's the kingdom of God. And one good thing about what we believe, according to the Bible here in this church, is we understand that death and destruction comes from evil that's present in the world. But we don't belong to that kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God where there's life and peace, where there's joy and fulfillment. That's the kingdom we belong to. And so that brings comfort to us because we can make some sense out of the troubles that we have on this earth. We know that there's a devil out to destroy us, but we also know that we serve a God who's got us covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and has delivered us from the power of evil and darkness. 
and that we have authority over evil in our lives. There's going to be things come. There's going to be destruction. There's going to be death. We're all going to die. But thank God for the comfort of knowing that we can have a life of peace in the spirit. He helps us to deal with things. And um, we here in this room, we have a church of many diverse people from different uh, religious and spiritual backgrounds. Um, some here, you know, you come from a, a church and your, your views are, are different from possibly the person sitting next to you. And you know what? That's okay. Some here, you're convinced that there is a God, but you're not maybe sure who God is. And you're here searching. Um, some may believe in the God of the Bible, but you still possibly view Christianity as a, a series of religious duties to perform. But, but you're learning. Others may have been saved by confessing Jesus as Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead, but you still have your doubts and you still have fears and, and, and there's still frustrations and conflict going on. And that doesn't just happen to those who are newly born again. That happens to us all at times. Others may believe that you've got it all figured out. Right? You've been in this thing for quite a while. And, uh, but perhaps you've fallen into a complacent routine of attending church, maybe reading your Bible, giving an offering, but you're not fully willing to yield your decision-making and your heart to the Lord. I'm comfortable. I like what I believe. Pastor Bob, don't challenge me. Mm -hmm. Now, this situation was exactly where the church of Galatia was at when Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians. The church of Galatia was in this position where they started to drift back into their old ways. The leaders of the Galatian church wanted the young men to again revert back to be circumcised. And uh, they were placing people under bondage and under the law of rules and regulations of the law that didn't pertain to the New Testament church. And, and Paul needed to bring some correction and that's basically what Paul did. If you read all of his letters, he was bringing correction to leaders in churches because he wasn't there and he was like, I, I hear what's going on. And he would write this Holy Spirit filled wisdom letter to these churches say, hey guys, listen, this is not the way it is in the New Testament church. So he wrote to the Galatians and, the, and I love Paul. Paul was very dipl diplomatic, but Paul was also very blunt. He would tell them like it is. If you sat down to a counseling session with Paul, you would probably leave his church. I can't believe that pastor said that to me. But Paul said this. He's, he basically started out in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. He said, you foolish Galatians. Can you imagine sitting down with me in my office? You foolish person. Stupid. Then he says this, who has bewitched you? Ooh. <laughs> Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. 
There's many of you that were here that had first-hand account of Jesus being crucified. You heard him, you saw him, you witnessed it. I would like to learn just one thing from you. And when Paul would bring some harsh criticism, he would do it in a way to ask questions. He said this, he said, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Okay, good question. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. After being on fire for Jesus at the beginning when you got born again and you were on fire about serving God and building his church, how did you get so far away from that and that, that core passion that Don talked about last week? How did you get so far away from that to the place you guys are now as leaders of this church of Galatia? You pastors and you apostles and you, you leaders, you, those being trained up in, in Paul's Bible schools. What, what is being taught there? What has happened in the midst of your congregation, in the midst of your church, that you have this overwhelming sense to control people because you feel like you're losing control. And instill all these, these laws and these regulations and these rules and must-dos. So Paul was, he was pretty ticked. If you go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, he said, you, my brothers and sisters, he's still calling them brothers and sisters, still bringing correction, but he said this, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law, all of the Old Testament, all of the Ten Commandments, the entire law can be fulfilled in keeping this one command. And he's reminding them of what Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can fulfill everything in the whole Bible by one four-letter word, and that's the word love. Every commandment, every decree, every suggestion, the will of God for your life can be fulfilled by concentrating on one word, and that is love. Can't fail by loving people. So no matter where you lie on the spectrum, there is rich, transformational life waiting for you. If we choose to die to ourselves and trust more in Jesus than in ourselves. See, Bob Goff, he said this. He wrote a book called Love Does. He said, the mission of the church is to love God I love this because it's our, one of our mission statements, to love people and to do stuff. So true. Love God, love people, and to do stuff. Let's do some stuff. <laughs> 
Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15, look what he said again. Uh, he said, Paul said, if you bite and devour one another. <laughs> that, that's amazing. If you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Ooh. There is way too much division that exists in the church today. As people bicker over doctrine and practices of Christianity, rather we should seek unity, share with one another, and learn from our differences. We all worship the same Jesus. We should be able to focus on that and do his work together. That is pleasing to God. We should major on the majors and not major on the minors. Because we all have different minor things that we prefer or believe because of the way we've been taught. And we see that through the lens of how we were taught. But the major thing is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And that when you receive him as your savior and confess him as Lord and believe that he raised from the dead, you are saved. Born again. Hallelujah. Thank God I'm born again. Because we are born again Christians. Not afraid to say it's not a curse word. Born again. Come on, somebody say I'm born again. If you're from the south, you are born again. I was just bought by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Paul continues on. And a lot of times when we go through hurts and we go through pains, we like to cover up, especially guys, you know. We, we don't want anybody to feel our pain or our rejection or our abandonment. And, you know, we kind of cover up. We don't want anybody to come through and peel away our layers, <laughs> you know, and expose our authentic self and give and receive real love. But as born-again Christians, by the Holy Spirit, what we are doing here today, and what I've done for almost 30 years, is, is we're continuing this process of transformation. Because it's a process. It's not something that you just arrive at, and that's really what I want to get to this morning. Um, this process of continually dying to ourselves and what we think, and, and running it by what he thinks, you know, his will, not our will, not our thoughts, his thoughts, not our ways, his ways, because we were placed on this earth for a purpose to do something significant for him. And so we're, we're constantly in that renewing, allowing Jesus to live more in us, renewing our minds and our hearts and growing in the image of Christ. And so... The process of transforming my sinful tendencies into a life that bears fruit of God's spirit is something that's performed by the Holy Spirit who came to live in me when I received Christ. When he transformed me from the old man to the new man. It's one thing to be excited and go through a period of excitement when you're first born again. And there's that honeymoon period. But when the honeymoon period is over, the work sets in. Because 
Just as a parent expects a child to begin to feed himself, God, our Heavenly Father, expects his children to begin to feed themselves and to grow up. So just as someone grows up in the natural, you can mirror that same growth pattern in the spiritual. There's a growing up and there. God wants us to all reach adulthood in our walk with him. And we expect more out of an adult who's 25 as compared to somebody who's 15 or as compared to somebody who's five. And so here's what Paul said in in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. He begins to talk about the solution, which is Paul does really well. He'll bring up, you know, the controversial subjects. He'll address the sin. He'll address the things that need to be corrected. But then he brings the solution. He's like, hey, listen, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Again, he emphasizes love. Now, all of the fruits of the Spirit here fall underneath that heading of love. You remember that when you were born again, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, the love of God was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So when you were born again, God took what was a hardened heart, changed you on the inside. Your spirit became soft and pliable and moldable. Took that hardened heart and changed you on the inside. And then he deposited seeds in your spirit, in your inner man. He said the fruit of the spirit, and then he lists them, is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You can't walk in the spirit by following the law. There's no laws. The only law is the law of love. And those who belong, he said, to Christ Jesus, what do they do? They have crucified the flesh. They have said to the old man, no more, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, he said, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Almost militaristic. Keep in step every day walking in the spirit keep in step and don't stop stepping we can be so thankful that we've been saved by grace and by the grace of God not on our own merit not by our own works but by his goodness and so what he did was he planted the seeds of all of these fruits in you Not just some, but he planted everything. So what does that mean? That means that all of God's love, that all of God's self-control, all of God's patience came to live in your spirit, man, were planted in the soil of your heart when you received Jesus as your Savior and you were born again. 
I have these uh, oranges here. Anybody like oranges? Now, these actually are really sweet. Oh, oh, oh! Almost hit Kara in the face. She wasn't looking. Anybody want an orange? Uh, okay, uh, this is dangerous. Now, these are really good oranges. I cut some up here, actually, and uh, can't see anything. Thank you, honey. Thank you, Vanna. I appreciate that. Vanna White, yes. Don't, don't take my fix-all, okay? Keep that there. Now, these oranges, I'm going to taste them. Mm. Good. Real good. Anybody like oranges? Anybody want one? Now, do you know that in order to produce good tasting oranges like that, from a seed, takes about 15 years. 15 years. And, and I tried to get one of the seeds out there to show you. It's not, it's not very big. But within this seed is an orange tree, a mature tree that is producing fruit. And it produces fruit year after year after year, as long as the tree is taken care of. If you go to, anybody been to Florida or Southern Cal and you go see some of the orange grows and the fruit grows, we were in Southern California and outside of our rental was a a lemon tree. It's the same thing, same germination, 15 or so years for that tree to produce fruit. But those those are some of the best lemons you'll ever have. They were big, and we cut it open, we put it in the water. And compared to buying, you know, the almost half-dried lemons at Winco, that was amazing. You know what I'm talking about? Now, this seed here, even though there's 100% oranges in this seed, just like there's 100% of God's love living in your spirit, There's 100% of God's faithfulness living in your spirit. So where you once were not faithful and couldn't stick to anything, now you can stick to things because God's faithfulness lives in you. But it's something that you need to develop. It's something that you need to cultivate in order for the seed that's been planted in you to grow and produce in your life. So that's why we come to church. We, we water the seed with the word. The, it, it waters it and it brings to our knowledge and our awareness of what's been placed in us. So when you're in a situation where you need patience, you cannot ask God to give you more patience. Why? Because he won't. Why? Because he's already given you all of his patience has been placed in your spirit. It's our responsibility to grow it and to cultivate it and to learn 
how to use what God has already given us on the inside. This is what makes us champions for Christ. Those who are maturing and growing, those who are taking in the word and haven't hardened their heart towards God's word, are growing on a regular basis, and they're growing in the love of God. They're growing in patience. They're growing in self-control, where they didn't have control of their lives before. All of a sudden, they sense this amazing self-control and discipline, like Don talked about last week. This amazing, um, where you couldn't keep your word before, all of a sudden, your word is gold. You show up on time, you're committed, you're faithful. God's faithfulness is stirring in you and, and, and literally the life of God is changing you. The life of God is changing your personality. He's changing who you are. He, he, people are looking at you and think, well, what happened to you? When you first got born again, people are like, why, why do you have a smile on your face? Why are you joyful? What, what is going on with you? Well, what, what is going on is Jesus came to live in you and he brought heaven in you. All the gifts of heaven now live inside of you. Hallelujah. In order for this seed, you can't even see it. My wife's like, you don't even need to get one of the seeds out of there. Nobody's going to be able to see it anyway. It's, it's truly a miracle. Because in order to cultivate that seed, you have to plant it in the early spring. It needs a consistent 55 degrees across the board. You remove the seed from a ripened fruit, so it needs to be mature, and you would rinse it and you would soak it overnight. It's a process. Then you would plant that seed in a half inch of potting soil. So that means the soil can't be hard. We have a garden, and here in the Northwest, soil is real clayey. And in order to plant a viable garden, you've got to not only add new soil, like we did this year, but you've got to get out the rototiller every year. We don't have one. Our neighbor Gordon does. So why buy one, right? That's what neighbors are for. <laughs> you know, I only need it for a couple hours. And he's like, he doesn't care. You know, he's like, you can borrow it any time. That's why I don't buy last. Rototiller out for the past 16 years. Here we are. Rototilling the garden, you know, getting that soil all stirred up so that we can plant those seeds. We had to add new soil in there because over the, over the, the course of the winter, that soil can get hard as, as clay and nothing's going to grow in there. So in order for the orange seed to grow, it's got to be potting soil. It's got to be soft You've got to keep it at a consistent temperature. And then you need to cover the pot with a plastic bag and wrap it up and let it sit there in a sunny spot for weeks until the seed begins to germinate and grow. Keep the soil misted. A tree grown from an orange seed can take anywhere up to 15 years to bear fruit. Talk about patience. That's why when there's an ice storm in, in Florida and trees are devastated and ruined, it can ruin a whole crop that has been cultivated over a decade. It can lose all of their financial investment. 
Eventually, you're looking for emerging seedlings to come up out. And within two or three weeks after planting it, three seedlings will emerge from one seed. Three sprouts. You're supposed to keep one of these, the strongest one. The ones on the outside need to be pruned in order for the one to emerge and to grow into the tree. There is a, even at that early stage, there's a pruning process. And so that's what God does to us if we're willing to be pruned. And you know what? He will continue to prune you for the rest of your Christian life if you'll let him. Because I don't care where you're at and how long you've served Jesus, after harvest always comes pruning. You look at our trees in our backyard, we have apple trees, pear trees, uh, kiwi, what else? We got trees back there that are overgrown. At this point, when the harvest has been harvested in the wintertime, we need to prune these trees. If you go and you look at some of the, um, some of the uh, grape vineyards, every year, guys go in there and they prune those plants down. There's a, a system, there's an art to it in order for the next harvest to even be better than the last, which is always a good thing. So you need to know that the pruning that the Lord does by his spirit, where he brings correction, where he gives you a word, he gives you direction, where he encourages you by his spirit to change things and to, to repent and to, and to get right with him and, and to follow him. This is what life in the spirit is like. It's all good. Sometimes it can hurt. Sometimes you don't want to hear it. Sometimes you don't want to hear somebody call you crazy. <laughs> I'm sure the Galatians did not want to hear Paul did not want to read that letter over and over again where Paul called them foolish or stupid. But he was shocking them into this, into the reality of what they were doing that adhering to rules and regulations and the law will not bring you the desired freedom that you seek. But following the spirit will. Following the law of love will. And by his spirit and by the Holy Spirit's gentleness, he will bring correction. He won't offend you as people will. And he will help you to grow if you're willing, if you keep your heart pliable. Pliable. In the Bible... In the King James Version, there's 44 times where it says, do not harden your heart. Old Testament, Jesus said it, Paul repeated it. Do not harden your heart. So what's our job? It's our job that after we're born again and Jesus puts a new heart in you with with this amazing soil to germinate the seeds that he literally went in and planted in you. It's our job to keep our hearts stirred up, to keep the soil fertilized with the word, 
to read God's word, to be open to correction, to be willing to learn and grow always, to not get offended because offense will harden your heart faster than anything and an offense will take you out of the will of God for your life. So I got the spackle. But I also have here the the fix-all. getting pretty hard. So what's the Holy Spirit telling us today? (laughs) Don't put knives in the fix-all. You won't get them out. If I put my seed inside that heart, it's not going to grow. We've all had failed garden items. (laughs) We've tried to grow corn here in the Northwest. I don't know what it is. Just can't get it to grow. Certain soils produce certain things. It's our job to keep our hearts pliable and soft and to not harden our hearts. Because what what God did for us, and I wanted to, wanted to read that scripture, I wanted it to be up on the screen, in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. This is what happened when you got born again. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to remove from you the heart of stone, the hard heart, and put in you a heart of flesh. Now, Hebrews 3.8 says, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. God's talking to the Israelites here during the time of testing in the wilderness. You see, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of the devil wants your heart to be hardened. He wants you to be offended. He he does not want you to develop the unlimited, untapped potential that you received when you were born again. He, He does not want you to walk in the love of God and forgiveness. does not want that to happen. He does not want you to affect people's lives. He does not want you to live with incredible joy. doesn't want that. He does not want you to live a patient life and a self-controlled life. He does not want you to be faithful and true to your word. He wants you to lose your job so he can steal from you. wants to destroy your life but what Jesus is saying to us this morning is this I've given you all the tools you will ever need to live a satisfied life in the spirit on this earth 
but it's your job to develop what I've given you. I've placed 100% of everything you will ever need inside your spirit. It's your job to keep the soil of your heart moldable and pliable and soft and remain teachable for the rest of your life. And allow the Lord to talk to you, be able to hear his voice, allow the Lord to prune you. Now here's the kicker. Remember Bob Goff, the author of Love Does, says this, the mission of the church is to love God, love people, and do stuff. Do stuff. That means we're called to serve. And we're not serving because it's obligated. We're serving because we love him and he's given us the ability and the tools to serve. So here's the kicker. You will never develop everything that he's given you without serving in the house that he's planted you in. You can't develop the love of God if you're not around people who are unlovable. This doesn't, you can't have patience if you're not experienced with impatient people. So the complete maturity of your walk in the spirit has to do with you rubbing shoulders with people and working alongside of them on a regular basis. At times you need to have thick skin. You need to walk in forgiveness. You need to learn to be unoffendable. And God's given us the tools to do that. That's how we remain unified as the church and continue to walk in the steps that he's prepared for us as a congregation. As we don't minor on minor things, but we major on major things in what God has called us to do as a church. We're unified together. Really, in the midst of serving in a house like this, this is, this is where true maturity and wisdom takes place in your life. You learn how to lead. You learn how to take orders. You learn how to serve. You learn how to submit, even though you don't agree, because that's what submission is. And it's the same way. As you learn how to do that here in this house, you learn and gain experience to do it out there in the marketplace. You learn how to lead. You learn how to build. You learn how to communicate. You, you gain wisdom in rubbing shoulders with people and working with all different kinds of personalities, which can help you and translate you to be successful out there with your family, your friends, your jobs, your business. And you become, because of what you've experienced here in doing stuff, you become the light of the world out there because they see how you run your life, your family, and your marketplace job different than anybody else. My gosh, she's such an incredibly patient person. My gosh, when she gets mad, she doesn't spout off a bunch of four-letter words. Oh my gosh. There's incredible favor on her life, his life. God just seems to be working more than anybody else who's in the same business. More business than you'll know what to do with as God blesses you. It's incredible what can take place from the seed. So what does this all boil down to? 
is because we've all been given the same amount, God has leveled the playing field. Because 100% of love lives in me as it lives in you. The question is, how far, how much you're going to take it, how much you're going to allow God to help you to grow and develop and get to that place where I'm not going to quit for the rest of my life. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to, I'm going to see him move in my life. And there will come, like here I read, there will come times of testing. <laughs> the devil's going to test you. The devil will always test you for destruction. More so, he'll tempt you for destruction, but God will always test you. So when you pass that level, he moves you on to the next level. Amen. Let's all stand up. I think they put this stuff in blizzards. Dairy Queen. Whoa. Man, I mean, that thing, that thing is hard. You know, we all need to pray for those who once knew Christ, whose heart was soft, but they've hardened their heart towards God and church. You just think to yourself this as we close. I don't ever, ever, ever want to be in this position. God, forgive me for some of the thoughts that I've entertained and the offenses that I've taken. Lord, help me to walk in love and forgiveness and your mercy. So I I don't, I want to produce good tasting fruit. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for life and the spirit. Thank you for natural things teaching us spiritual things. With every head bowed and every eye closed,